Hello everyone and welcome to Africa Design Radio. My name is Chibweze Wuze, your host. Africa Design Radio is an audio journey that explores the world of design and how it is shaping the future of Africa. In each episode, we will explore ideas, histories, and profiles of leading design professionals, creatives, and thought leaders to understand how their work is creating an inclusive and sustainable society for Africa. Together, we can discover ideas on topics such as music, arts, architecture, fashion, product, graphic, and furniture design in an engaging and enjoyable manner. The show provides a collective platform that seeks to entertain and educate listeners on the fascinating ways design is impacting our lives daily. Thank you for listening. Hello everyone, I'm Chibweze and you're welcome to another interesting episode of Africa Design Radio. On the show today, we have an interior design artist who is renowned for telling sensual and sophisticated stories about Africa through her designs. And we will be talking about her work, how design can fulfill its purpose and sustainable interior designs, amongst other things. Welcome to the show, Ayanda. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much. I'm very yeah. happy to be on the show. All right. So for those who are listening, Ayanda Carter is the CEO of Iroko Interiors and Consulting, a company she co-founded in 2009 to create upmarket interior designs inspired by sensual and sophisticated African design. She has an impressive portfolio that spans the USA, London, and across Africa, and has extensive experience telling irresistible stories that reflect the life and influences of her clients. She was recently nominated for an AMBCA award Thank you. in the best art director category for her set design work in the Living in Bondage sequel. Congratulations on Thank the nomination. Thank you so much. Best art director, mm-hmm. African uh, Magic Viewer's Choice Awards. How yeah. come you're getting nominated in, <laughs> in an award where you have a lot of movie stars? Yeah. You know, but yeah, I mean, set design, that is... That was what basically put, basically put you on that platform. So tell me, how did you feel? And of course, how do you intend to use that platform going forward? Okay, that was a phenomenal experience. Uh, because I've been in the industry of interior design for so many years, I think it's quite uh, it's easy to kind of fall into different uh, forms of creativity. So set design seemed to work quite well. Um, and this opportunity just kind of landed in my lap, but okay. I kind of understood what the storyline would be. And the rest of the team was amazing. Um, from set design, costume design was kind of easy to collaborate in terms of each scene and what was required. So I'm quite happy to be have been a part of it. And I'm looking forward to the future adventures of further set design. Yeah, great. Is this your very first very set first design one. job? Yes, very wow. first one. And I mean, like everyone knows, I mean, Living in Bondage basically took over the night. Oh, yeah. With over, I think, about eight awards. Yes, correct. So that it must have been a proud moment for you to have worked on such a huge project. Most definitely, greatly for the people, okay. wonderful people on the set design. And another thing to mention is too is that the movie was an exceptional movie, well edited, all the team, everything just worked so well together. So sometimes it's not just the, the work itself, it's the people that you're involved with. So a big congratulations to all of us. All right, great. So, I mean, did you get a chance to watch the very first Living in Bondage oh, movie? The, actually, just a snippet. Oh. I didn't actually watch the... No, no, I actually didn't get to watch the whole movie, <laughs> just a snippet. 
But of course, this one I watched all the all the movies about four times. All right, great. All right, great. So Ayanda Carter. I mean, it's a very bougie name. <laughs> Are you related to? Jay-Z or Lil Wayne oh or something? <laughs> no, actually, a um, little bit of a big story. My dad is from Mozambique. Okay. He's a Chemalinia loco. My mom is uh, Carter. She's Kosa. She's from the Eastern Cape. So Still in Mozambique? Yes. Okay. But people, I mean, everyone still lives in, in Johannesburg. But with that being said, I took on my mom's maiden name, which is Carter, okay. for various family reasons. So I ended up with Carter, but no, I'm not related to the JEDs of the world. Interesting. So the Mozambique interior designer yes, doing amazing stuff uh-huh. in Nigeria. In Nigeria. How did that happen? <laughs> I came here about 13 years ago. Okay. I had a great opportunity to come into work with a company I was working in South Africa, Bacos Brothers. Um, and uh, we did some work in Akure initially and that was the first opportunity to come inside of Africa if I call it that because South Africa is within Africa but it always seems like sure. it's, it's like the biggest thing you've seen mm-hmm. so that kind of exposed me a lot to the terrain and the people and confidence uh, of Nigerians and from that particular project went back to South Africa and I had an opportunity to come back and I stayed in Asawa for two years Okay. I worked on some of the interior space planning for the airport. Okay. So that kind of exposed me to the terrain, the culture, people. Um, and that made my decision that, okay, fine, I think I should stay on a little bit longer. Mm. Before you know it, it's 13 years later. 13 years. Yeah. That's a long time for long time. Mozambique. And yeah. Is that what it's called? Mozambican. Mozambican, correct. Great. So 13 years I can basically call you a Nigerian because definitely you've been here long enough. A long time, a very long. And how has your experience been in Nigeria? Um, a lot of experiences from challenges. Uh, I mean, generally there will be challenges anyhow. But I think um, I'm very happy of the decision I made when I was 22 or 23 by coming. I didn't know what the future was going to hold, but I was quite faithful. Mm. and positive as to what the future had to hold. And then, of course, because of what I what I do and how passionate I am, it also allowed me to have a different perspective of design and what it is I can do in environments like Nigeria, separate from South Africa, that's very well developed. Okay. So I took it in my strands and I ran it. Okay, so Iroko Interior, uh-huh. founded in 2009. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm guessing at this point you had decided to go on your own. Oh, yes. So what inspired that? I wanted something that was African, something that had to do with nature and wood. And I wasn't so sure it could have been Sapele, it could have been a different type of wood, or it would definitely have been Iroko at some point, because I loved to, the history behind it and its long longevity. Um, and I see myself as a very, as a young Iroko growing. Mm. So it was easy to narrate it to my own story and coming into a new terrain, new country, um, and then building what I'm most passionate about. Wow. That's a really interesting story. Mm -hmm. And how has it been, you know, running the business on your own as compared to when you were with, you know, what was the company you mentioned? Bacchus Brothers. Bacchus Brothers. Yes. What what has the experience been going on your own? Wow. I think that the world of design is really different from running a business. I think design part, you have to kind of choose which sector of design you want to be. Either conceptual, retail, 
what are you going to contribute to the industry of design? Okay. Um, and then separately is running the business aspect of it, which I think is really good to either have experience on it or at least study some sort of entrepreneurship to move you within that environment. So there's kind of two different sectors of running a business and being a design aspect part of it. Okay. So because I've come in from a design perspective, my mind has just been so passionately on conceptual design. Um, and it ran around there for a couple of years before I had to go, oops, you know, you're actually running a company now, you have to deal with <laughs> stuff and all the okay. rest of it, Yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, it's been a hell of a great experience. I can imagine. Um, so let's just take a step back, mm-hmm. you know, back to your background. Yeah. You already mentioned that you're from Mozambique. Yeah. Um, just kind of tell us about your family life, you know, what were your um, growing up experiences like? Um what did you study? Yeah. And just kind of take us back into the young Ayanda. Ayanda. Okay. Well, I, I studied interior architecture um, at the University of Witzwatersrand before it was called Technicon. The Technicon of Witzwatersrand now became the University of Johannesburg. Okay. Um, and that kind of exposed me to a lot more. I think there's um, a huge array of what design really is and South Africa has a really strong foundation in terms of that. You kind of have to decide where your strengths are in design. So that exposed me to 13 different subjects and careers within design, from product design to ceramics to fashion design to architectural. So it kind of gave me a foundation to choose and select what it is. I, to do. Yes, what I was passionate to do. But with that being said, I could have just done anything at that point. Could have been architecture or product design of any of that sort. But that experience really allowed me to kind of understand how organized South Africa is in terms of design and how it is I would now need to kind of engage certain elements of what I've known back home to what it is I can bring here and learn from what this environment can give me. With the structure of the industry in South Africa, how can you compare it to what we have in Nigeria? And what do you think are the differences you know, between the design industry in South Africa and the design industry in Nigeria? Okay, so the design industry in South Africa has developed a lot in terms of its own conceptual design. They've used a lot of its own resources locally in South Africa to inspire design moving forward. Um, so they've developed that industry so well in all different sectors, from commercial to residential to also. So it kind of has a purposeful meaning in every design. South Africa has managed to do that thus far. Nigeria, on the other hand, has an array of so much resources to be inspired by. And it's not just with interior design. It could be artists, painters, um, in different creatives. I just think that... There's so much more they can draw from what naturally Nigeria has now. But then we're kind of in the middle of being caught up on the fact that the industry is quite fast. Mm. Everyone wants it built now, finished now, furnish it now. So they're not really giving much time to conceptualize on mm. what design's meant to be. Okay. Design really is about creating an ambience. It's how it's the mood you create in each space. What is it meant to do? How is it meant to make me feel? And how will people react to that uh, intention you're trying to uh, create? So there's a lot of room for that. And I'm very optimistic. Mm. Like I'd say, there's a lot of new creatives coming up from all different areas and arenas within this space. And because it's not so regulated, it allows you to still play around and still be able to distinguish between real interior designers, decorators, product makers, and retail stores. 
So I think it's something we need to allow to run for a bit longer. Um, but with that being said, there's still a lot of other professionals and Nigerians are going out to study as well in interior design and coming back mm-hmm. and hopefully also still trying to engage local content to what it is they can bring to the market. Um, so beyond Nigerians going outside to study and come back, um, you know there is, um, considering the population that we have, there's only a small part of the market that those people yeah. can serve. Yes. You know, so it, it begs the question, like, how do we now create a standard in the industry? Mm-hmm. What would you advise? What would you um, say would be the way forward, you know, in creating that kind of structure where the industry is segmented the way you just mentioned mm-hmm. in South Africa? Okay, I think it's good to talk about it. Having discussions like this do help. There are a few organizations that have come together to distinguish what they are and what it is they can bring to the market. I think with that being said, there's still a lot of younger designers and all sorts that are starting to have these conversations more and more and engaging in different um, projects and collaborating to create it. So in its own way, it's kind of doing it without being mentioned. I just think there's certain more organizations that need to come out and be created to allow for different groups of creatives to come together and say, okay, we are part of this type of organization because we believe in these philosophies. So um, definitely to create that path, a group of new people and new organizations need to keep grouping up with different organizations, with different design styles to allow their customers and also the public to know, okay, there's actually an organization or an association that actually believes in this type of design and that type of design. And those pockets of people is what actually creates an industry. All right. Great to know. So I just wanted to know, did you always want to be an interior designer? Was that a childhood dream of Funny enough, I was a very good painter. I was really good at painting. I loved painting. Um, I was really crazy about male hands. I wonder why. I don't know. <laughs> so from drawings to paintings, I was always uh, quite good at that. But I knew I was going to be in the field of creating, I would say, a mood or creating an, a space that allowed you to feel a certain way. Okay. The way I understand art to be, the way people curate art and look around is how it actually makes you feel. Uh, what is the reaction? What is the story behind it? It's the same thing the way you would want to sit in a space and how does that space make you feel? So design has moved forward, interior design has moved way further than what we mentioned as design interior design now, has moved further to creative thinking and design thinking because they're trying to develop understanding the human physique and yes. the human behavior towards things around them. And we design for those type of spaces. All right, great. So as a space planner, mm-hmm. as an interior designer, uh, what would you consider the most important thing when you set out to execute a design? You mentioned the way it makes you feel. Yes. I'm guessing, is it still in line with that thought or there's something else that you, you're you always having at the back of your mind before you execute a design? Most important is research. I think people miss the whole part of research. Um, if there's a topic that comes up and it's supposed to be a restaurant and it's called mood, instance. I think if you spend a lot more time researching on what mood is and what the surrounding words and feelings and textures need to be, you start to create a concept that will always link to what the initial idea was. And people miss that entirely. So we've seen so many great designs all over the world, but no one's really questioning how did it come about? 
Where did it start? Did it come with the name of the restaurant or did it come with the uh, particular image that makes it what it is? You know, any concept, it's always great when it has a starting point and you can work out what the end result will be. It becomes a fantastic sign. So that design language remains because you can keep using it again and again and again and come back to it. And I think a lot more fashion designers understand this even more. Oh, I see. Yes. Because even in design school, we all taught the same kind of way. There's a subject, there's a brief. And from that subject and brief, you are able to do a full set out research. Yeah. And I think that's what we're lacking majorly here. We're lacking in what we, how to research. What are we looking for? And it's not just images, it's words, it's history. Everything has come from a certain point. Mm. So we've got to keep taking it from where it has come from and simplifying it until it becomes something new and more recognizable from what it is. So I feel like most of your clients would be really, really intellectual people. Um, people who really understand what design. design is about. I mean, how would you describe your, your client base? Because you you come, you approach design from a really passionate yes. place. And it's more than just money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about meeting the actual need of the oh, client, right. understanding what the client is thinking yeah. and really replicating it mm-hmm. in every you know material, in every color, yeah. in every texture that you choose. So what kind of clients do you deal with? I think it's important to grasp a personality of the actual clients because they, they are where they are now, but they want to get to a certain stage in the next five to ten years. So our our fundamental, most important primary principle is to get where it is they need to be in the next 25. So it's pretty mm. much being a stylist in a way. Mm. But you are now a life stylist in terms of the way they live and the way they see things. We have to think things forward. So when they look at current trends or current designs, I always remind them, ma'am or sir, this is only current. Will this last in 2025? or 2030, mm. you've got to kind of understand your customer a bit more to take them way further. So the design selection of materials and textures, etc. so you have already considered that, okay, I want the client to be there and they will understand it thereafter because they're so proud. That, oh, I didn't think I could take it that far, mm. you know. Um, and then also to say another thing, besides the full passion about it, I'm, I take my work not just so literally serious though I do it it's it's something so artistic in its way because every time you'd be putting things together slight changes would be here slight errors would be there but even in those errors and imperfections it still looks stunning Mm -hmm. so it's a way it's a much deeper passion that clients sometimes get or sometimes they don't Um, but you know they generally they do my job all right, good. So I guess Nigeria has been good to you then. Oh, yeah. All right, that's Definitely. good to know. Um, so there's this quote that I, I saw repeatedly on your Instagram. Yeah. Um, not just on your personal profile, but of uh-huh. course on Iroko's um, page as well. And it goes like this. Design is not just what it looks and feels like. Design is how it works. Yes. You know, I found this statement very empowering because beyond looking great, you know, good interior design is supposed to fulfill its purpose, yes. um, which is to perform in the space that has been created for it. Mm-hmm. So how does this principle guide your work, you know, as an interior designer? Mm-hmm. Okay, in the basics of it, um, in every household, you know, you have to sit, eat, and sleep. Okay. So with those basic principles, you design around that. 
you've got to sit in a living room, you've got to eat on a dining room set, and you've got to sleep at some point. So those design principles is what makes it a lot easier. That's where my starting point is, if it's for instance a residential project. Um, and then everything else kind of comes around from the atmosphere, the colors, the smell, the look, the feel, uh, what you're trying to create, what type of scenery I want to have in the evenings. Is it going to be a more ambient light or more natural light during the day? So there's kind of a process I need to work through to develop it as strongly as I need to. All right, great. Um, globally, right, when the topic of sustainable design is discussed, um, the focus is no longer on its application, but on the ways to make it better. Mm-hmm. Now, how best can this ideology be replicated in the way um, that the interior design craft is practiced in Nigeria? Mm-hmm. You know, you mentioned earlier on the importance of using the local resources mm-hmm. to interpret a design. Yeah. And I believe that, you know, um, using what is available mm-hmm. um, is critical to anything that's sustainable. Yeah. If you have to import it, then it's no longer sustainable. How, how, do, you, how do you think we can encourage more of that in the industry in Nigeria? I think it's already developing. I think the industry is already producing for itself and manufacturing for itself as it is. So the, the only thing is, it's, it's, it's in taking time and pride in what it is that you're producing. Mm, I think that's actually. a major part for, for the industry, because although there's parts where they are manufacturing and upholstering, et cetera, et cetera, you get perfections and imperfections in three or four different cultures. Or, or the mindset is, oh, why do I need to actually do this one and stuff? Let me just rush it, because these people want these chairs in three or four days. I think there's a lot of pride that needs to go in the time you spend on what you, you need to, and the passion on doing things the right way. Mm. So the industry is there already. It's developing as much as it is, and younger you know, uh, individuals are coming out to manufacture more and more, and they're improving the quality of goods that are already here. So I think that in the midst of maybe the last four or five years, in the deep sort of dip in the economy, really forced people to look inwards Mm. in all sorts, from restaurants to fashion to food to artworks. People started to have an appreciation for what Nigeria produces Mm. on its own. So that already engaged people to, okay, you know what, let me start doing this locally. Let me start. And it will eventually get to the state of perfection where even other individuals, because Nigerians love to support Nigerians as well. Now I must buy in Nigeria. Okay, I want to fully made Nigerian products. Yeah. All fair being said, those supports eventually over time will reduce the amount of importation. Okay, well, we, I guess we can only be optimistic that it continues to grow. We can be more than optimistic because okay. it's already there. I just think it's not exposed as much. Okay. You know, I was very surprised during my feasibility study to find that Lagos alone has over 900 registered manufacturers. Mm. Yes. That's, that's alone. And whether it's small, medium enterprises uh, or so, just that information alone says that what about those that are not registered? Mm-hmm. People are already developing and pushing as much as they, they can. It's just that in this um, construction phase, we're going through an opportunities to make more, allows the industry to build more and more. They may not just be as known as much because it's not much of that big environment of speaking out and having the correct statistics, but they're definitely there. Mm. All right, that's really interesting to know. Um, so just a personal question now, mm-hmm. what has been the biggest inspiration for your career? Oh, wow. wow. I'm inspired majorly by my boldness to have 
come here because I'm beyond, <laughs> I'm beyond grateful. To spend 13 years, that's, yes, it requires yes, some boldness. Yes, it, does. it really does. But I think, you know, when, when your path is tailored in a way and, and um, it's leading you in directions that you're not so sure of, but you keep working at it. Because, you know, as Iroko, we've done a lot of fantastic projects. We just don't, have not exposed ourselves online as much as other organizations may have. But I was very strategical about that because I wanted to make sure that every piece of work we ever put up was our own work. Okay. That was very important to me to do. And I think that when you're building yourself as a young woman, a young black woman, also not Nigerian, in yeah. an industry like this, it's good to it's good to cover yourself long enough to really grow, manifest. And when the right time comes, you will reveal yourself at some given point. Um, So I'm very inspired by this country, more so. I feel that I've actually got an MBA from the country (laughs) of Nigeria because it's given me so much different pepes. Mm. One pepe here, good experience here. Mm. Because it's just so dynamic. Mm. It's not so regulated. So you kind of have to kind of set your own rules at some point and straighten it the way you want to straighten it eventually. So it's been a fantastic inspiration. Really okay. has been. Proudest moments? Yes, my proudest moment is when I'm on my own, I've finished a project and I'm either sitting on the floor and looking at what I've created and I'm speaking to myself and praying and so grateful to God for the opportunity for it. I feel my proudest when I'm in those moments because it's only until you're designing it and you conceptualize it to when it comes to reality and you can feel the ambience of it then I feel achieved what has been the biggest setback and what kind of motivated you to pull out of it it? Um, I think when we had our economical meltdown maybe three four years ago that was like a huge setback Mm. Oh, yeah, because we didn't even know which way the industry was going to go. And with the dollar naira doing what is, like, what's going to happen? You know, um, that was the biggest setback for that moment and period in time. But I quickly stepped into it to look at what do we have inwards, locally here, that we can manifest to move us forward. So that I kind of pulled out of that quite quickly. Congratulations. Thank you. Because you're here now. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So if you could give 18-year-old Ayanda one piece of advice, what would you tell her? Oh, um, I will tell her never to be scared to expose herself out, outwards. Mm. Um, I think sometimes we become so, so much of an introverted. I was a little bit too introverted, too much into my work and kept feeling that it was not... Ready yet. It's not mm. ready yet. It's not ready yet. I think you, you know? mentioned that on the very first time we had a conversation. Yes, yes, <laughs> I did. And and then you feel and then I felt fool. If I actually pushed out as I should have, maybe 27, 28, how would it be now? Mm. But yet again, I still don't have regrets that I've done it the way I have done it. Uh, because I'm a lot more seasoned and wiser okay. on what it is. I can I can speak even more confidently with what I've created. So I feel I feel good about that. All right, great. So what's next? What's next for you? Okay, what's next is a few things. Um, so I would like to start teaching interior design. Wow. Yes. Um, but majorly from a different perspective. Okay. 
the perspective really is from a creative thinking and a design thinking perspective. Uh, I just believe that all design is very individual. And when you come into markets where there's still kind of a copy moment or repetition of, of sorts, you've got to kind of make people realize their own inability to create their own great design. Okay. And I think when you give people the right tools in the beginning on how to create concepts, they'll go a lot longer way than it yeah, is now. Sure. So that's really what the interior design masterclasses and training will be about. Wow, really. I look forward to that. Oh yes. Very, very interesting. That. Yeah. <laughs> I mean we kinda of started we kind of, I've kind of started with a few of those motivational chats even in our current studio, which is great because okay. everyone is kind of exposed to some new, interesting, innovative person okay. somewhere in the world. Okay. So yeah, I'm I'm quite ready for that. Great. So if you could describe design in one word, right? What would you say design is? So just make a sentence. Design is oh that word. Design is art. Yes. Oh, I agree. I agree. <laughs> All right, great. So we're now in a segment of the show that I like to call the power of design. And um, in this segment, we'll be highlighting the need for more human-centered design practices that can, that can improve the quality of life of members of our society mm-hmm. by exposing bad design practices mm-hmm. um, that we regularly experience in our lives daily. So, I mean, you could say I'm a bit obsessed about good design because mm-hmm. most times I'm just making seemingly mundane observations about certain design flaws in you know in a space mm-hmm. or environments, you know, but that greatly impacts the quality of our lives. And but we somehow have just become accustomed to it that you know it seems normal now. I'll give you an instance. For example, when you close the door and it doesn't flush, mm-hmm. I just get frustrated. <laughs> and that could really ruin my day. Yeah. So what I'm what I want to know is in your work as an interior designer, what kind of design flaws or mistakes, you know, have you continually observed mm-hmm. that you know greatly impact the quality of life of the end users? Yeah. I think majorly is understanding how the spaces work from sockets and switches to lighting positions to um, whether how the door opens or which direction the door should be. Those are, are really common. I think people will in the within the construction industry and our own interior design industry, it's about mapping where these position and spots need to be within a site. Okay. And I think when you walk around or we do with our clients and trying to figure out where is it more comfortable for you uh, or, or how more practical is it for us as professionals to say, this is where the switch needs to be. This is where the light switch, uh, the light needs to be. I think those are, are, um, are very common flaws in positioning of stuff. The skill of doing things straight, straight walls, straight edges, um, just the switch itself, because it's not positioned straightly, yeah. it's already an irritation from that. Yeah. It's just a mannerism towards work. Which steps go up one after the other in order to finish one thing successfully and move off to the next thing without messing up the previous thing you've done. Mm. Um, so those are, are really common um, errors I find in a lot of finishing how the tiling is done, where the tiling has started and where it's going to end, um, how the walls are painted, the screening, the quality of the smoothness of it. Um, so there's all of those flaws in terms of the internal part that it's still in working progress. You do still find some contractors really focus on that finishing, which is good. Yeah. And others that are still kind of, they're trying to get it right, which they're trying. Yeah. And others that are just doing it because, you know, they just have 1,000 projects yeah. and they just need to finish it. Okay. Um, so it's really something I think the industry needs to 
be mindful of the quality of finishing. Because at the end of the day, the tile is permanent on the floor. That socket and switch is kind of permanent mm-hmm. where it is. So it's good to do things right. All right. Thank you so much, Ayanda, for being a guest on the podcast. Um, I truly appreciate you for speaking with us. My pleasure. My absolute pleasure. If you want to hear more interesting episodes of Africa Design Radio, head now to our page on all platforms where you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for listening to the show this week. You can subscribe from wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please do give us a review. You can also write to us at africadesignradio at gmail.com or follow us on social media at africa underscore design underscore radio. I'm Chibweze and you've been listening to Africa Design Radio.